Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, dig that out. The word should come up on your screen. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start in Hebrews 11 with a couple of verses and then skip on to um, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is being sure, being certain of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then what happens in the rest of that sort of chapter is is the writer of Hebrews goes on and uh, lists basically the heroes of the faith, men and women, heroes of the faith, who down through the ages, there are people who've been commended by God for trusting him, uh, for having faith in him, for, for literally laying down their lives and spending their lives in the service of the king, in the service of the kingdom. And so as you read through the rest of that chapter, you've got kind of a whole list of, you know, the, the good and the great from in here. You've got Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. I mean, everyone, you kind of name it, they're all in this bit here um, somewhere. Wonderful Wonderful men and women of God commended um, by their faith for their faith. And then you flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and having listed all these remarkable men and women of the faith, the writer goes on to say this and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Already this morning, the first song, lift our eyes. Let us lift our eyes to Jesus. The the picture that Kate had after the worship, just looking into the face of Jesus, turning our attention, turning around and facing Jesus. And here in the scriptures, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Last weekend, uh, Kate and I and a whole number of people from this uh, church, which was uh, wonderful, uh, and a whole bunch of people from vineyard churches just like this one from all over the UK and Ireland and indeed right across from the rest of the world. Uh, we spent last Saturday up at the Trent Vineyard, which is a, a, a church, a Trent Vineyard, a vineyard up in Nottingham, uh, led by John and Debbie Wright. And we spent the day in the company of, for us certainly, Heroes of the faith. Ah, literally our contemporary heroes of the faith. And we were all there. The, the, the family, the tribe, you know, the, the family of Vineyard Churches gathered together at what really was a milestone event in the history of the vineyard, um, literally around the world. Um, the milestone event was to celebrate the ministry of John and Eleanor Mumford as they handed the leadership of Vineyard Churches, which is the sort of name for all of the vineyards in the UK and Ireland, they handed the leadership of the Vineyard Churches in the UK and Ireland 
from John and Eleanor Mumford to um, the equally wonderful John and Debbie Wright. Now, um, for those of you who may just have shown up on the door this morning or you've been here for a few weeks and you may be like, I don't know what he's talking about, um, you, you may or may not know that this church, the Southwest London Vineyard, uh, is, is, is just one of many vineyard churches scattered around uh, these islands and uh, vineyard representative of uh, vineyards from right across the world. And this, this church was planted by John and Anna Mumford uh, just a little, very little, over 28 uh, years ago. And it was the first, first vineyard uh, church in the United Kingdom, indeed the first vineyard church in the whole of Europe. So uh, they started... Uh, this church, and John and Ellie, when they planted this church, in addition to leading this church, uh, which they did for uh, a number of years, as the movement of churches grew, and as more churches like this one were planted and started, uh, in the early days, many of them just from this church, so I think to date, this church has planted 16 churches, and other churches planted churches, and then they planted churches and planted churches, and so as the movement, the family of Vineyard churches began to grow across the United Kingdom and Ireland. John and Eleanor not only looked after this church and all of us, um, but also looked after and oversaw all of the vineyard churches uh, in the UK and Ireland. And then in 2008, um, they reassure us, and, and, and I think we all have the sense that uh, John and Ellie sensed that the Lord was telling them to um, uh, pass the leadership of this church over to Kate and me. And, uh, you know, now it's been a few years, you might have an opinion on that. Um, and they handed the church over to Kate and myself in 2008, really so that they could focus all of their attention solely on building and growing the, the rapidly growing movement of churches and family of churches, um, not only in the UK, but also internationally. John and Ali, any of you who know them, they've got this wonderful gifting, they're wonderfully gifted leaders. Um, and uh, particularly gifted in developing and raising up um, leaders. And so last weekend, what we were doing, we were celebrating, again, as under the leadership and the guidance um, of the Holy Spirit and the Lord, uh, John and Eleanor handed, this time, the leadership of all of the vineyards in the UK and Ireland. They handed that, where well, they'd been responsible for that, they handed that over um, to John and Debbie Wright. Now, John and Debbie Wright lead the vineyard in Trent. They were on the staff team here, um, here at Southwest London uh, Vineyard, before they were sent out from here to plant the Trent Vineyard uh, Nottingham so, 19 years ago. I mean, it's unbelievable. For those of us who've been around um, and were around at the time, it, it, it certainly doesn't feel like it's possible that it could possibly be 19 years, but apparently it is. So last week, Last week was an incredibly important occasion, celebrating all that John and Ellie have contributed to the vineyard over the past 28 years, and, and at the same time commissioning John and Debbie as they take on the baton, if you like, uh, for the next I don't know, 25 or 30 or, judging by how youthful they look, um, 50 or 60 years. Um, and... This morning, for those of you who were unable to be there, we wanted to share with you some of the highlights um, of what was really an historic moment in the history of the vineyard and, and where we saw in practice the very things that we've just read from these uh, scriptures in uh, Hebrews. And the first is, is this thing about looking up, 
about fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's about paying attention to him. It's considering him. It's looking to him. And you see that in um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So looking up, the first thing. The second thing is looking back. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Surrounded as we are by uh, such a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Looking back, important part of what was happening last weekend. And then finally we'll look at um, looking ahead. Um, Hebrews 12, verse 1, as together we run with perseverance the race marked out before us. So let's just take a, a few minutes to look at some of these things as we reflect on last week's service of celebration on the one hand of the ministry of John and Ellen Mumford and at the same time the commissioning of John and Debbie Wright. And the first thing, most importantly, the, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, the most important thing that we um, as followers of Jesus can do, we have to look up. We're to look up. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. We are to pay attention to him. We're to consider him. We're to turn and fix our focus on him as the author and perfecter of, our, of the faith. And the history of the vineyard, um, Kate and I, we've been uh, in this church for 26, something like that, years, you know, which will come as a great shock to you, I know. It's hard to believe. I must have joined when I was three or something like that, but... Um, <laughs> It's sadly not true. Um, you know, we were students at the time locally, and um, Kate had stumbled across this church and was coming along, and I was in hot pursuit of Kate. Um, and so uh, I basically just wanted to be anywhere she was, even if that meant being in a church. And she said, oh, come along, come along. I was like, oh, right, you know, okay. And um, I'd given my life to Jesus when I was 16, and then I'd taken a hiatus little sabbatical from God while I was at university. Um, and Kate was like, no, come, come, come. So I was like, oh, okay, if you're there, I'll go. And uh, we came to this church. Kate will tell the story. We were in another building then, when, um, and it was back in the old days when smoking was <laughs> legal and, um, <laughs> and positively encouraged. And so she stood at the back of, I mean, it's unthinkable now, but it was literally 27 years ago, so it's not surprising, uh, stood at the back of the hall smoking. You know, um, like, like as if we were in this service now and she'd stand at the back of the hall smoking, looking mean, which is hard to believe as well. Um, and she would say this herself. And um, not to me. She didn't look mean to me. You know, quite the opposite. And um, it's this very sultry sort of, you know, femme fatale at the back of church smoking. <laughs> I was like... This is awesome. I'm coming back to church. Anyway, if anyone hasn't noticed, I've gone slightly off-piste. Um, ever so slightly. Uh, she, Kate, gave her life to Jesus in this church. She won an evening, uh, John Wright, I think. Was it John Wright? Um, was uh, leading the evening service, and he said, if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus, come to the front. And she sort of stubbed out her fag and ran down to the front of the church and gave her life to Jesus. Um, yes, I'm sorry. I've kind of portrayed her slightly as a sort of 12 pints a night. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to. <laughs> it's awesome. You know when you're the one with the mic? It's just like, I will pay for it later. Um, anyway, I don't know how on earth I got onto that, but uh, that's how we ended up here. And now, I think, what? 
Who? Put the down. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, what I'm saying is that our experience of the vineyard right from the very beginning has been that it's, it's a, this is a church where people are serious about Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. We're serious about, we're serious about Jesus. And, you know, the story of the vineyard is, is one, you know, right from its very beginnings, there's a group of people, John and Anna in particular, um, who've done just that. They've uh, just fixed their eyes on Jesus and just gone after him with everything that they possibly can. Uh, whether, you know, with John and Nelly. For John and Nelly, that was following God's call, leading them out of the Anglican church. So John Mumford, you know, he was training, trained to be a, an Anglican uh, vicar. He had a glittering career ahead of him. Um, and, you know, he they heard, they got a sense that God was calling them to go and visit this chap in, in California called John Wimber. And so Jesus was speaking, and so they went. John went. Um, you know, and then it was... The Lord again spoke to them, and uh, they they followed God's call. To, he, you know, the God, Lord called them out of the Anglican Church uh, to, to 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 start a, a vineyard. They went off and spent fourteen months in Anaheim working with um, Wimber, and then came back to the UK and planted this church in 1987 with just the two of them and their two young boys. That was the church planting team, you know, because. They had their eyes fixed on Jesus. And from its earliest roots, the vineyard has only ever really been about one thing, and it's only ever been about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith upon whom we set our eyes and, and fix our attention. Uh, very early on, one of the very first meetings, so John and Ellie came back from America. They started a, a small group in their house in Merton Park, and at one of those very early small, um, small groups, like a house group, uh, Ellie had a, an impression of Jesus, um, sort of sitting in the, you know, as if you were in the corner of the room. She sort of looked over and she saw, she got a sense in her sort of mind's eye of, the, of Jesus over in the corner of the room, surrounded by his disciples. You know, she, Jesus' back was to her, but she got this sense of this great party going on. You know, and if any of you know Ellie, you know, she's loath to miss out on a party. And there's this great party going on over there. there was, they were all laughing and eating and having this wonderful time. And as she sort of looked over, she, she, she just sensed that Jesus was turning towards her and saying, all I'm asking you to do is to mimic me. All I'm asking you to do is to mimic me. Here's this, you know, young sort of couple with young family in the middle of <laughs> starting this thing called the vineyard, no idea where it's going to go. And she looks across the room, she gets a sense from Jesus, he's saying, all I'm asking you to do is to mimic me. And... Um, and that's how this church began, really. That's how this church has continued. A group of people fixing their eyes on Jesus, seeing what he's doing, and then, as best we possibly know how, mimicking him, doing exactly what he's asking us to do. And um, just to give you some idea of what that's looked like over the years, um, why don't you take, hopefully this will work, uh, a look at this. This is one of the videos that they um, showed from last weekend, and I hope it works. You may well remember that when Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So looking back, rejoicing over, celebrating what the Lord has done over the last almost quarter of a century, which is nothing. I mean, it's the bat of an eye in terms of church history, let alone eternity. But looking back, I'm struck by the realization that we have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus for this. We have been called as we pursue this amazing enterprise in the vineyard. For it is indeed to the vineyard that Christ Jesus has called us. We've suddenly come into this extraordinarily simple, um, poignant, beautiful worship music. And we were used to singing choruses, which were a bit hearty, and they got you going and warmed you up before the talk and the Bible study. But this sort of intimacy, this sort of immediacy, this sort of, it was achingly beautiful. We were there for 14 months. And we kept going to him, and John would go and say, now we've got our plan, we're thinking, this up. we feel God has called us to, to, to start a church in the United Kingdom. And we went to see him, and Wimber said, I don't. Back to the drawing board we went. So for 14 months, he wouldn't release us. He said, God hasn't spoken to me. So we didn't know what we were going to do, we didn't know when we were going to come back, we didn't know what was going to happen, we had nothing to come back to, and we had Wimber saying no. John was an assistant pastor when we went there. And then Wimber asked him to come into the AVC office and be the AVC clerk, as they called it. And John, of course, was very quick to accept it because it meant working closely with Wimber and with Sam Thompson. And it also meant learning about church planting, which was fantastic. And uh, at one point, Wimber said, we had to go to the board meeting because of our capacity uh, as, as the clerk. And Wimber said, John, I want you to write me a paper on why you think we need to plant churches internationally. So my John wrote a paper that Wimber then delivered as his own, which is what his won't. And at the end, the board, about, I suppose about 18 or 20 of them, they just all looked at it out and, and said, um, God is speaking. And Wimber looked round and said, God has spoken. And then they took us off and they prayed for us. And they laid no, they didn't lay hands on us. They prayed over us and Carol Wimber said, don't touch them. She was bossy, was Carol. She said, don't touch them. Don't lay a hand on them. God is doing it himself. He doesn't need us to do it. And Wimber prayed and he said, God, we have put every obstacle that we know how in the way of these Mumfords. We've done everything we can to stop them. And every time it's come back here, we recognize it, we bless it, and we're going to send them home. We arrived home with enough money for a month. Wimber had very sweetly and generously given us our airfare and enough money to see us through a month. And then we had our first small group in September and we were terribly excited. We had nine people. After about two weeks, John and Debbie Wright came and joined us. And uh, we started from there and the thing started to grow. And people came from all over the place. They would ring up from a motorway and say, where are you? We're on our way down from Nottingham. Somebody else would come from Leeds. Other people came up from the West Country. People would come up. One boy used to come by train from the outer reaches of Essex. Never got home to one or two in the morning every week, just so as not to miss anything. We'd never really had any leadership training, and we just found them so inspiring as models. And when they said, would you do this? We said, yes. So would we do this small group? Yes. Yeah, they've got amazing wisdom. They, John's fabulous at teaching on leadership. Um, Eleanor is an amazing, uh, she's passionate, she's visionary. You know, she communicates, she's got the incredible anointing. 
Chris and Fliss Lane were planting and started planting a church in St Albans, and Rick and Lula Williams had started planting a church at the became known as the Riverside Vineyard in Twickenham, and uh, that really was the the initial church planting enterprise. You don't decide to become vineyard. If I, if I can put it, it's more that you discover that God has already placed in your heart certain um, affections, of course, primarily for himself, but and a certain desire to express Christianity in a particular way. And it's more that you bump into other people who, and you all discover this is how we want to do Christianity. When we first started this, we felt that God said to us, you ought to plant a church that will plant other churches. Why do we plant churches? Peter Wagner says that church planting is the greatest evangelistic mythology under heaven. And that's absolutely true in our, in our experience, that if we want to see the lost come into the kingdom, if we're passionate about seeing people come to faith, then we need to plant new churches. If we want to see cities changed and impacted for Jesus, we need to plant churches. I'm just aware that there's people everywhere that don't know Jesus, so I don't really think it matters where you go. I think just wherever there's people, go plant a church. I think it's easy to see church sometimes as either furthering the kingdom of God or working within a community and impacting a community and changing society. But for us, they are completely one and the same thing. Because ultimately, people need jobs and Jesus, and people need food and faith. The recognition and the gratitude of what Christ has done for us, causing us to look beyond ourselves, outside of our doors, and then responding. And that response will be different for every single vineyard. I love the kingdom theology of the vineyard movement. I love the idea that it's not just pie in the sky when you die, but there's some steak on your plate while you wait. That we expect the Holy Spirit to work here and now. That it's now and not yet. We look forward to heaven, and we're trying to bring some heaven on earth right now. We hold fast to that value of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. It really is a distinctive that everyone gets to play. We're not waiting around for the holy man of God to show up. We all can be involved in kingdom ministry now. My heart for the vineyard is that we continue to exist for our non-members. We don't exist for the people who come to our church every Sunday, but for those who have yet to come. So everyone has this longing and this hunger and maybe just don't realise it. Like they're wandering around homeless, but they just don't know where home is and they don't know if there's a good, loving, heavenly father waiting for them. The thing that I love about the vineyard is it doesn't compromise on anything. We love the word, we love the spirit. We want to see people come to know Jesus, we want to serve the poor, we want to be creative, but we want to have a focus and a vision. Um, I love the fact that we're laid back, but we're intentional. So there's all these tensions going on in the vineyard. For me, the worship is what attracted me. Prolonged periods where we worship. I love that worship is central to the vineyard. What did it for me was actually the worship. It completely unhinged me. And they were kind of, kind of love songs. They were to Jesus and they were very simple but they completely did me in, and uh, I, just, I just lost it. God working through the vineyard movement transformed my life. He equipped me to live a naturally supernatural lifestyle where I pray for people on the streets, in the workplace, on holiday. And we see Jesus do the same incredible miracles. 
that he did in the New Testament, and I believe we're only going to see more. The Mumfords, and now, of course, the Wrights, inspire us forward. The vineyard is home, it's, it's family. And of course, we love the whole church, but we're so grateful that God built the vineyard. From John Wimber and values that we all recognize to John and Eleanor Mumford now pioneering the movement here, we have such a rich heritage. And that has transformed countless lives. And we can only imagine what God has in store next. We found that we've been captured. We've been taken hold of by a church, by a movement, by a way of doing church where the scriptures were central and where the Holy Spirit was held high. What do the scriptures say, we would ask, and what is the Father doing, we would look for. The Bible was our constant resort. The gifts of the Spirit were always to be allowed free reign. We all got to play. We all got to have a go. That's what I love about it. We found ourselves caught up by Christ and his church and his cause, and I want nothing better till the day I drop, till the last breath that I draw, than to be part of a church where I see lives transformed and the broken given hope. People coming to us just as they are, but not having to stay as they are. Finding Jesus, finding hope, finding a reason for living, and finding other people to do it with. And this, believe it or not, comes to, brings us to the end. And we want to say to all of you, wherever you find yourself at this moment, the Lord has been with us and the Lord will go with us. And so this is really our saying goodbye to one another for now. We will invoke, as it were, the oldest prayer of the Christian church as together we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, precious Holy Spirit. Come upon the church that you have brought together and that you have told us how much you love. Come upon the vineyard that you are commissioning even today to go out and to make an impression for Jesus across this precious, precious group of islands of ours. So, we're to look up, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're also to look back, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And um, these heroes of the faith, the writer of Hebrews, has been talking about, set uh, to us an example of where we should be looking. And uh, here's a group of people that we should always be bearing in mind. And one of the wonderful things about last weekend was... Um, the contribution and the direct involvement of a great cloud of witnesses celebrating John and Eleanor's contribution to the blessing of the whole body of Christ and at the same time eagerly anticipating all that John and Debbie are going to add uh, to the flavor of the uh, stew. And so um, taking part in the commissioning of John and Debbie, some pictures here, I think, um, if we just scroll through those, taking part in uh, the commissioning of John and Debbie, there was, a long, there was a national directors uh, from vineyard churches in the US and from Canada and from Denmark and uh, from the Netherlands. There were representatives of pastors from, uh, again, from all over the world. But we also had uh, David and Philippa Stroud of New Frontiers. There was Mark and Karen Bailey and John and Ann Coles 
from uh, New Wine Network, Mike Pilavacci from Soul Survivor uh, was there. We had uh, Bishop David Pitches, his wife Mary, uh, were there from the Church of England. And it was just this wonderful picture. And they were all, as you can see, look at this, you know, they're all hands-on commissioning John and Debbie. Um, this wonderful illustration, this wonderful picture of the body of Christ, the church of Christ working together and celebrating this defining moment. A, a great cloud, you see it there from the pictures, a, literally a, a great cloud of witnesses surrounding John and Debbie as they embark on this new commission and standing with John and Ellie as they embark on their new commission, which is to support and encourage Vineyard National Directors um, and the church from all around uh, the world. And, and, and people who weren't able to be there in person uh, sent their uh, video messages, and we thought that you might like to just see uh, a couple of these. Hello to all our friends in the vineyard gathered together for this really special occasion. Pippa and I are so sorry that we're unable to be with you. We're so excited about John and Debbie Wright's new role overseeing vineyard churches in the UK and Ireland. The vineyard is such an amazing movement to which all of us at HGB owe so much. We'll never forget the time that John Wimber first visited us and the Holy Spirit came on us as a church. So much of our ministry today is still based on what we learned from John Wimber and the founders of the vineyard. John and Debbie are worthy successors as leaders of your wonderful movement. They built one of the most dynamic local church communities in the country and they are such wise, gifted, spirit-filled leaders. And we are so privileged to be able to call them our friends. And we wish them and you well and are so excited about what the future holds. So wish that we could be with you guys. And we're with you in spirit and we are so excited for you, John and Debbie, and this new opportunity with uh, the vineyards in the UK and Ireland. And we're so grateful for the way that the Mumfords have served so faithfully and uh, aren't excited about this new opportunity for you. And and we just know you're the right people in the right time for this. And we are, well, we're, we're confident of this because of the relationship we've had with you. We've gotten to see the way uh, the Trent Vineyard has grown and your leadership in the movement as a whole. And well, not just that, but leadership in our life. Uh, we are so grateful for you. And uh, we often think about what God is doing in the Trent Vineyard and how that affects us even in our church. We, we're kind of like an extension of the Trent Vineyard. And so... We're just confident that what God has given you grace to do in the Trent Vineyard is going to stretch all over the UK and Ireland. And, uh, well, we're standing with you. We're praying for you. And uh, we're hopeful this is led by God. And I think that this journey that you have been on, both of you have been on over the last couple years of, of clinging even more deeply to Jesus has been really beautiful to watch. And we are honored to be able to share on that in the brief moments that we do see you. Uh, it's been inspiring to us as leaders to actually see people do this really well and model ministry, model marriage, model parenting um, in really healthy ways and really desire to be 
the most whole human being um, that you can be on this earth. So we are so excited for you. You have major fans in Colorado, in the States, and we look forward to be able to celebrate with you next time we see you. Thanks. We toast you. <laughs> have an extra glass of champagne for us. Heart. <laughs> I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to say something to you. I would have loved to have been with you for this amazing celebration, uh, but it, it is impossible for diary reasons. I'm sorry about that. One reason I'd like to be with you is that I owe John and Ellie so much, as does Caroline, my wife. Uh, we met them ages ago, uh, in the dark ages when John was still an Anglican. Uh, Anglican clergyman, in fact, or he was training, it was even before he was ordained. And he had a huge impact on me then and has had ever since. Ellie has been really crucial in Caroline's spiritual development and they've been wonderful friends to us over the years. The key thing I want to say about them is they are centered on Jesus Christ. It's following Jesus that matters to them more than anything else. And in that cause they are transparent, they are full of love, they're gracious, they're thoughtful, they're challenging and they are powerful and extraordinary leaders. So I want to say thank you to them from us for all they've given, not just to the vineyard, which has been an extraordinary, but also to the church around the world and to Anglicans and the Church of England. Thank you. The second reason is because uh, we, Caroline and I, value John and Debbie as almost as much as John and Ellie. We know them less well, but everything we've seen over the last many years as we've begun to get to know them has been so exciting and wonderful in terms of hope for the future. It is rare that you see the battle passed so beautifully and with such grace to people in whom one has so much confidence under God that they will continue to move the vineyard forward. Again, they are both people who are full of Jesus Christ and in his wisdom are strategic and thoughtful, prayerful and loving, committed not to their own advantage, but to serving the kingdom of God. I pray for you that God will bless you richly, fill you with his spirit and guide you onwards that we may spend eternity together. Amen. Well, there you go. So, um, so we're looking up, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're looking back, inspired and encouraged by this great cloud of witnesses, by all these wonderful people who've gone before us. And then lastly, we look ahead. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us throw everything, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. And the truth of the matter, there is a race marked out for all of us to run, every single one of us. There's a call upon every one of our lives. There's a vision that God has given to each and every single one of us. For John and Ellie, it's been to train, uh, starting out training in the um, Anglican clergy and then at great cost to themselves. Yeah, it was not an easy decision. It wasn't an easy move. Great cost, very, very sacrificial to 
lay down that calling within the Anglican church to uh, follow God's call into the vineyard. And, um, and then in due course, at huge cost to themselves, great sacrifice to lay down the church that they planted, and this one, the church that they planted and nurtured, and to hand that over um, to us. And now again, very, very sacrificial, great cost to lay down the movement and the national churches across the UK and Ireland, the thing that God had called them um, to see develop, to lay that down and to hand that on to John and um, Debbie. It's, uh, that's a, it's a wonderful calling. It's challenging. And uh, it's something that they've executed uh, incredibly, incredibly well. And John and Debbie, I mean, it's the same with them. John and Debbie left their jewellery business in Nottingham. There were students uh, up in Nottingham. There were John was a, a jeweler and left there to where the Lord was leading them, which eventually led them from Nottingham down to this church. As Ellie said, you know, two weeks into this church, John and Debbie were uh, here. And then, uh, you know, there was John and Ellie started a small group and then they ran uh, two small groups and then I think they ran three small groups a week. And then they, the first one that they planted out was John and Debbie. And so John and Debbie planted the first house group, if you like, um, and then their call has meant serving here at this church, serving John and Ellie's vision for a number of years at great cost to themselves. Because John and Debbie, if you've ever know, met them, they've always had masses and masses of vision, energy, passion, enthusiasm. And they gladly laid all that down for years just to serve John and Eleanor's um, vision. And then the Lord finally called them back to Nottingham uh, and they planted this amazing church, the Trent Vineyard, which impacts literally the lives of thousands. And now they're, they're starting another leg of their race, which is uh, running the race as the leaders of the vineyard uh, in the UK. And why have they done it? Why, is, why have any of these people done it? Why have John and Annie done all those things? You know, why have John and Debbie done all those things? And why do they continue to do all those things? Why are John and Annie not retiring? Why are they not just kind of going, oh, Doing right, done right so far. Let's go off and find a nice villa in the Tuscan Hills. It seems very attractive. Um, why are they doing it all? Why do they continue to do it? Well, it goes back to the beginning of Hebrews 11. Faith. Faith. John Wimber, as you all know, uh, said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And we're called to be risk takers. We're we're to be willing to be risk-takers. You see, this whole thing, you know, there isn't such a thing as retirement. As Ellie said, I want to carry on doing this till the moment I take my last breath. We don't retire. We don't stop. We don't, you know, servants don't just stop. We just carry on forever. You know, we just carry on until the Lord chooses to take us. And the, the wonderful thing about this thing that we're called to is that this whole thing is supposed to be, we're, we're called into this great big adventure. It's like, we're right in the thick of whichever one floats your boat. You know, the Lord of the Rings or the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or the Matrix, you know. Um, you are Frodo Baggins. You, you know, you are, some of you more than others, um, you are you are King Peter, you are Queen Susan, you're Neo. You're on this huge, every single one of us, we're on this huge adventure every single day. We wake up. And we're in it. We're right in the thick of it. We're right in the middle of it. And we're right in the battle 
to save Middle Earth. We're right in the, the battle to save Narnia from the white, white, white witch. Only your battlefield, our battlefield, is work. It's the workplace. Or the school gate. Or the street that we live on. Or at the yard or with our families. And the battle we're in is seeing the kingdom of God extended at your fingertips. Because you see every single act of obedience, of faith, every step of faith, every decision to risk it all again rather than settle. Um, it's like a stone being dropped in the water and it creates all these ripples. And it's as the ripples that go out that the lives are changed. Let's just end, um, let's just end with John and Debbie. This is John and Debbie, uh, the, our new national leaders of Vineyard Churches, UK and Ireland. Let's end with these guys. Well, we feel very honored to be taking on this role. We know that God has called us. And it is with that confidence that we trust that the vineyard in the UK and Ireland has a great future. John Early, under God's hand, you have built a precious movement which really embodies that genetic code that we've just affirmed. And as you pass the role of leading it onto us, we take up this charge committed to treasuring what has gone before and pouring our lives into building on the foundations you've laid, indeed the first story or second story you have already built. Taking on this role together with leading this church, because we'll be doing both on roughly half of our time each, it's been enabled by the willingness of the wonderful team we have here at Trent to release us to do it. Many have stepped up to take on increased responsibility, particularly Tom and Helen, with whom we've worked closely for the whole of Trent's 19 years. And we look forward, as a church, to continuing to serve and bless the movement. John and Ellie, you have entrusted us, a great team of passionate and experienced leaders, pastors, area and regional leaders and others, and we look forward to working with them as we together press into the future which God has marked out for us. You know, we really are going to build on the past. We are so thankful for what God has already done. We are so thankful for all of you in this room who are already carrying significant pastoral responsibility, your pioneers, your entrepreneurs. We are thrilled to be building with you into the future. We are celebrating. We're celebrating today and we're going to continue to celebrate together what the Lord is going to do amongst us. We're going to celebrate in the present. We're going to celebrate the stories of the one. The stories of the one are what changes lives. It's the stories of the one that keeps me going and I know it keeps all of us. So we're going to keep celebrating. It doesn't matter how small it seems. It is going to be celebrated because the heavens rejoice when one person comes to faith. 
and we are going to embrace the future. We're going to run into the future because we know God is a great God and he has called every one of us to do this together. As Phil said, better together. And that's how we're going to do it, running in with God into the future. There you have it. There you have it, yeah. Wonderful. Should we have the band back? Why don't you stand? Can you want to join me?